Welcome, smart humans, to Waves of Wisdom: Summer Conversations with Smart Minds. Because this summer, I invite you on an inspiring and transformative journey as I explore the minds and lives of extraordinary smart humans. I'm, of course, your host of the Managing the Smart Mind podcast, Elsa Kramer, also known as Coach Kramer. And throughout this scintillating summer series, we're going to be riding the ways of the inspiring lives of lots of very different people with bright brains. In each interview, I have the privilege of engaging in captivating conversations with amazing smart humans, from poets to startup founders, from artists to entrepreneurs, and from stand-up comedians to swamis. This summer, we'll be delving into the depths of their wisdom, and we're going to draw lots of inspiration from their unique perspectives, their choices, and experiences. Waves of Wisdom is not just about high IQ or being fast-brained. It's about how to harness your intelligence and your heart to make a meaningful impact. You're going to learn about strategies, tools, and shifts these smart minds have employed to navigate the complexity of being a fast-brained human on this crazy planet. We're going to explore all the ways in which you too can design a life that works with your smart mind. Whether you have a well or not so well-managed smart mind, this summer series of Waves of Wisdom will help guide you on your quest for knowledge inspiration, and personal growth. Enjoy! From law to mosaic art, a journey of passion and purpose with Francesca Busca. Hello, smart humans. I am so excited to share with you today the inspiring journey of an amazing woman who decided to follow her passion, her passion for handling colorful stones. I had the pleasure of interviewing Francesca Busca, a former lawyer turned mosaic artist. And her inspiring story is a true testament to the power of aligning your life with your interests and passions, and then innovating your field along the way. Now, Francesca's journey began in Italy. Uh, she studied law, but, and despite her interest in art, she pursued law because she thought work had to be hard. <laughs> but she always did feel that something was missing in her life. And then one day she visited a Roman basilica in Italy and the feeling of stones in her hand as she um, did a mosaic workshop and the sense of creativity just absorbed her completely. And she had this kind of lightning realization, this is what I'm meant to be doing. So upon returning to London, she found a place to continue doing mosaics and she studied it, she started using and reusing materials um, like broken ceramics and crockery. And she very quickly became an expert in this to her completely new field, something which, by the way, isn't uncommon for fast-brained humans. And at the same time, alongside her passion for mosaics, she developed an interest in permaculture and understanding the ecosystem. She started learning about how plants are connected and communicate. And Interestingly, again, something I see a lot of smart humans do, she was able to connect this in her mosaic practice. She started creating art out of waste materials, which are typically overlooked and discarded. And 
her goal kind of became to spread awareness about pollution and the need for reusing, repurposing and reducing waste, as well as incorporating this into art. In effect, she started selling major corporations their own rubbish. Just so, so fun and so fascinating. She also experimented with payment in kindness. She would actually give discounts on her art based on eco-friendly actions taken by her customers, such as using reusable bags or avoiding plastic straws. So, so many experiments, so many ways of playing, of being in a world, of thinking about money. It's fascinating. And her journey is a testament to the power of, yes, following one's passion or passions, I would say, and making a positive impact on the world. I think through her art and activism, she is a great inspiration on how you can make a difference and create a better future and have a lot of fun in the process. And it's also a great reminder that it's never too late to pursue what truly makes you happy. Enjoy this interview with Francesca Busca, and don't forget to check out her amazing art. All right, smart humans, I am so happy to be here today with the amazing, inspiring Francesca Busca. Hello. Hello, and welcome. (laughs) First of all, where are you in the world? Because your name sounds kind of Italian, but... Yes. So I was born in Italy and then I I just, when I was 17, I went to the US in Colorado, in Denver actually, for a year abroad with IFS, Intercultura, an exchange program. Mm-hmm. And then I went back to Italy to um, graduate from secondary school and then I just started moving around the world. So I lived a year here and a year, another year then, London, Paris, New York, um, you know, Padua, uh And then eventually I settled here in London. And this is where I am at the moment. Right. So London calling. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm hearing it. I'm hearing it. (laughs) I love it. And one of the reasons I wanted to really talk to you, and I think it's going to be amazing for all the smart people listening, is because you have had such a beautiful trajectory in learning how to design a life that works with your smart mind, right? Like what what works and what doesn't work. Because yes. we're looking at amazing artworks behind you. We're not going to go there yet. First, we're going. I want to talk about law. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Because yes. you studied law. Yes, but tell me. Is, okay, so I've always been an artist, I think. My dad knew that I should have been, but for some strange misconception, everyone's always said that working is hard. And I just thought oh, it was so easy. I just thought this cannot be work, right? This cannot be a oh, job. Oh my God. And okay, so hang on. I have to pause you there because this yeah. is a massively important concept. Like everybody who finds their zone of genius then starts thinking, this is too good to be true. Exactly. And oh I was God. really little, I mean, you know, so, and it kept, I kept on believing this and that's actually a big area because, oh my God, where do you start? You know, um, you don't really, you realize that you get to things quicker than other people, but most of the time I ended up by thinking I was the one doing things wrong and I was missing something. Okay. And that 
is also what happened with my my job. Um, also, I have to say, I did like the high schools, the top schools, but I never really applied myself that much. I would only, you know, study the minimum to pass. And because I thought there were so many other things to do in life. And, so many uh, interesting things. Yeah. And you never yeah. know exactly what you like. You like it all. You know, you want to do a bit of everything. And quite frankly, I find myself being a, a generalist, you know, like wanting to know a bit of everything. Yeah. Like, you know, at the beginning of times. Renaissance it, woman. Yes that, that's, yes, that's what I like to be. And there's so many things that are just so interesting, you know, and there's not enough time in your life. Um, anyway, uh, and so I ended up by doing law because A, people just thought, oh, you've got such a good, you know, gift of the gab. You can use it. Ah, so that was it. You're, you're so um, eloquent. You can. Yes. And then everyone just said, you know, you can do anything you want with law. Quite frankly, nothing I would like to do. <laughs> I know. I'm like, I like what exactly? <laughs> yeah. So I yeah. ended up by studying law forever because every time I went abroad, I would do like a diploma abroad or I would work abroad or do a, you know, an internship, whatever. And then, and then, you know, when I had children. No, hang on. Hang on. Pause. pause. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You, you're saying I studied law forever. How long in your world is forever? Forever <laughs> is too well, way too long. No, so basically I studied in Italy a couple of years. Then mm-hmm. I was getting really frustrated because I was studying in, uh, I'm not going to mention it, but in a university where students were treated as numbers and as really. I think a lot of people are going to recognize this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. So over uh, yeah. But anyway, you were, I mean, I would, you know, make an appointment to see the, the, the professor two months in advance, then there I am. And he doesn't even show up, Do you know, because, yeah. things like that. So after that, I moved to London and I started over basically. So it also took me because they didn't recognize some of the exams, you know, this, anyway. So I started over and then I also made it a year longer by going abroad doing the European legal studies. So mm-hmm. I Paris for a year. I don't regret that at all. Uh, <laughs> I would love to study you know, longer if that gives me the opportunity to travel and do stuff. Yeah. Uh, anyway, and then I came back and graduated and then I worked. That's also very interesting because um, uh, I applied for training contracts, obviously, yeah. but it takes a while. I wasn't, I didn't even know whether I wanted to be a lawyer. So I didn't apply in time for those. You have to apply two years in advance. So I found my. Oh my God, really? Two years yeah. ahead of time? Two years wow. ahead of time. And obviously, wow. you know, people stab each other in the back to get one because it's so hard. Anyway, so I applied for them when I pretty much graduated. In the mean, mind you, my father also died, um, you know, in those years. So it's been quite a journey and lots of other things to think about. But, um, and in the meantime, I found another job um, to do. And so I ended up by working as an in-house solicitor Mm -hmm. with a lot of responsibility, actually, uh, before doing the training contract. Interesting. So Yes. And the funny thing is that by the, I told them when they hired me from the beginning, I'm really straightforward, honest, you know, I want things out for everyone i'm not taking advantage of the situation i think that being smart generally means finding something that's good for you and for the rest of the world right yes uh, everyone can hopefully benefit. yes so i told them look i'm just going to be here for two years because in the meantime i also got my offer for a training contract in the city um and um 
And so, you know, if that's okay with you, and they said, okay, two years come, of course, I warned them in advance, look, guys, remember, I have to leave, but they didn't want to let me go. So they contacted all their lawyers <laughs> to say, can she? Fact is, I also wanted to leave by then because I was... Maybe you were bored? Well, or... bored, I'm not sure because they kept okay. me on my toes. They kept giving me different... Okay, good. It was actually quite fun. But the point is, I'm a pacifist, right? I was protesting against the war in Iraq, uh, in New York. Um, right the year before it, it happened. And there I was working in-house for a private security company whose main client was the US and whose main contracts were, you know, the Baghdad airport, the exchange of currency in Afghanistan, you know, lots of... Okay. Um, so a bit of a conflict there. Exactly. Yeah. Mind you, it was really interesting. I met some incredible people, but, you know, I was dealing with X. FAS. Um, uh, well, <laughs> yes. I mean, ex um, CIA or yep. people that were coming from very interesting backgrounds. Um, but yeah, no, I got on with everyone very well anyway. And I think, you know, before you can make a stand up, it's good to understand and hear both yes. sides. Um, to stand on my side, but you know, it was really, really interesting. And it was a really big steep learning curve for me with all the responsibility they gave. Yeah. Um, anyway, after that, I went to work in the city as a, you know, a training contract, corporate mainly. And then, and then I got pregnant and I didn't want to go back to law after that, quite frankly. Mm. And I thought, look, <laughs> you know, so I stayed at home for the first few years, look after the kids. After that, you go mad, absolutely mental if you don't do something. I think everyone, not just me. Yes. So I started um, doing mosaic because I took them to Aquileia, which is, sorry, I'm ranting. Tell me if That's I okay. To... I will interrupt you if I feel like we need to like pause and. Thank you. Good. Because yeah. basically I still didn't know what I like to do. And yeah. um but then I started doing some art, you know, drawing in the meantime, whenever I get the time, if I weren't sleeping. And then I went to Aquileia, which is a beautiful Roman basilica uh, in Italy. And they keep discovering new mosaics, layers, new layers of mosaics in there. And they're amazing. And I took the children there. And next to it, there was a little shop, which sold actually some bags of pre-cut uh, marble that you could do one of those mosaics with, you know, um, in a smaller scale. And I did it and I was hooked three days and three nights, not even sleeping or eating, basically just doing it because their children. Like a drug. Yeah, honestly, because the children weren't even there because they went to their grandparents to stay. And I just, oh, my God, this is it. You know, I love the the feeling of those stones in my hands. I love the smells that you get. I love also the fact that I could create and just, you know, com be completely absorbed by that for once. Um, like focusing on myself again, you know? I think also like, it sounds like you were completely in flow. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Right? Which is the, the, the best state or one of oh, these Oh my states. God, yeah, in trance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's how I am when I am in a project. I tend to be quite monotomatic, but uh, that's yeah. I love it. It's not, you know, I'm not suffering out of it. But anyway, so after that, I came back because I was in Italy. And then I came back because we go there during the summer. And then I came back in September and found a place where to do mosaics. So I could go a couple of days a week. Okay, I'm going to pause you now, right? Yeah. Because it's so interesting to me what happens here, basically. And I think this is a lot of this happens to a lot of us, especially the more impulsive ones, <laughs> more impulsive, smart people. We're like, 
this is the thing. Right? <laughs> and so for me, it will be like, I order 20 books on the thing. I order like all the art supplies. <laughs> yeah, same, like, yeah. Bring it right? over enough. Yes, I agree. <laughs> and then we do like a, this, this manic, almost deep dive. Yeah. And then what happened? So you, you, and then I just thought, but listen, you know, why can't I started using and reusing stuff? Cause already mosaics, you use a lot of broken ceramics, you know, broken crockery or other stuff. Let's take a quick break. Hey, smart human, probably listening to this podcast because you want to learn how to manage that smart mind of yours. And the first step is actually getting your bearings, doing a little brain audit. And I have the perfect tool for that, the Mapping Your Unique Brain Workbook. And you can actually download it for free at www.coachkramer.org slash brain map. So that's coachkramer.org slash brain map. Go check it out and play with it and take your first step to managing your smart mind. And then I will no, get- hang on, but because now you're going way too fast because that sounds like you were already doing lots of mosaics, but you got home from Italy. What happened then? Uh, then I found right away this place where to go and do mosaics. I would be doing some there and then I started getting, obviously, as you said, all the books and the material at home and I was doing it at home as well. So, yeah. Right. You were becoming like an expert, like in, in an insane amount of time, I'm sure. Exactly. Pretty much. Yeah, I did yes. courses, you know, I went to, uh, it, every time I go went back to Italy, I would take a course at the uh, Scuola Mosaicis del Friuli in Spielberg, which I believe is the best in the world, uh, where I would be doing, you know, marble, smalti, etc. But anyway, just to sum it all up, after that, um, I already started, I another passion of mine in the meantime was that of permaculture and understanding the ecosystem and learning about um the how plants think um and mm-hmm. actually how much smarter they are than 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 we are and how they communicate and they have yes and the wood white web and reading a lot of stefano mancuso monica gagliano you know peter wall i mean so many okay but hang on stop anyway. I'm, I'm gonna pause you again because yeah. i know what you're talking about but some of the listeners may be like what <laughs> you say what can you say that again <laughs> <laughs> like so please, communicate. <laughs> no, because it is utterly interesting. So apparently the plant, basically when we evolved from an amoeba, we de- decided, right, what we were going to do uh, in front of a danger, whether we would escape, run from it, as animals did, and we did, or whether we would stay and face it. Facing it is a lot harder, of course, but that's what the plants decided. And they have developed uh, 15 senses that they have tried and uh, tested already scientifically and other five they are proving in now, actually. Um, and they basically have the same things we do. They see, they feel, they, you know, everything, everything. They talk, uh, communicate. communicate yeah. um, and it's just that it, they develop differently. So we, they don't have one organ to do everything like we do because we need to move it along, carry it with us. It's 
all throughout their own body and their roots and also how they develop this community for which they're not individuals. They are a community of plants, different plants. And when people say that, you know, a tree grows taller before the others because he needs to survive instead of the others, that's not really correct. He only does it because he knows he, sorry, I'm calling it he, he knows that he is more useful to the community than others to gather certain things such as sun or whatever. And then whatever he gets, he actually communicates it through the downwards. Right? Yeah. Exactly. And receives. Yeah. So if a tree actually doesn't grow in a community it's because either it's not needed, it's not necessary or it's ill and it won't survive, yeah. uh, you know, but still it will be one of the community and they're, so it's 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 incredible. It's how we should all live, even with animals. It just makes you understand how little you are, and you know how much more we could do, and how if we all contribute to the greater yeah, the greater world. good is all that yeah. matters at the end, you yeah. know. And, and that's how I also thought. You know, we are also if we're so clever, how come we are the first species that brings itself? You know, well, not really. First. We had the dodo before, apparently. <laughs> A few others, but you know. To bring ourselves to uh, self-destruction. And um, I don't think, you know, somehow I think, well, if this is what we do, perhaps we don't deserve to survive. Yeah, maybe our fate is to, is to die. Yeah. yeah. To be but at the same time, you know, I also hope, well, you know. You we have, have kids, right? You have, yeah. <laughs> There's yes, this... you just understand. And so basically all this, I brought it into my practice as well. And that's why I started... Um, looking at pollution, looking at ways to plunder us. Okay, I'm going to pause you again. Yes. Because you're saying I brought it into my practice. So by this time you had a practice. Yes. I what does this practice look like? Because we're starting, you go to Italy, you get super inspired. You have this kind of like manic, oh my God, I need to find out everything about this thing. <laughs> but then for most people, it, it drops off and they go on to another thing. But that didn't happen for you. Like at what stage did you think, okay, this is something I want to continue doing maybe even yeah. okay yeah that's the point because also yeah. I I think a bit because of course I merged the interests I had and also I felt the need of not weighing so much on the world but also because I again as you say we probably share the need of learning different things and moving yeah. and pushing the boundaries and always going outside our comfort zone. And that's also what I started to do with, with my practice. You know, I started trying different materials because of that. And then I just... Ah, interesting. So you moved away from the stones? Yes. And meantime, sorry, I also did a diploma in mosaics and I graduated... I, I have to interrupt you for one second yeah. because there's a parcel okay. <laughs> at the door. Yeah. <laughs> There you are. I'm back. <laughs> Arrived. Good. Yes. <laughs> so you started realizing, okay, I'm moving away. There's so much more I can do than just with the traditional stones. Yes. Yes. But tell me a bit more about that. Yes. So I wasn't the first one to use, you know, again, broken crockeries or buttons or other things you find. But I think I moved away when I said, like, I made the real difference when I just thought, why not use something that is not 
new, something for which I do not need to plunder, something, you know, that actually otherwise goes to waste and adds to pollution. And so I started looking at my way. I just took my rubbish bin and looked into it. Amazing. <laughs> um, I've done it before once because I had a white wall in it and I just thought, I'm so, you know, sick of this white wall. I'm just going to do something now. So we opened up our bins and we just made these, uh, this big koi fish out of uh, <laughs> whatever paper and stuff we, we found. They're still there, actually, to this day. Oh, it'd um, be fun to have a picture and we can share it with the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> so that and, is kind of the initial work. That's kind of where it started, the concept. Yeah, yeah, but I've always done that. Okay. If, that's why I told you I knew I should have been an artist because yeah. I just feel like I need to use my hands and do something creative, crafty. Uh, but anyway... So at the end of the day, I became a mosaicist. I graduated, you know, I also taught. Okay, stop, stop. Yeah. again, right? Because you're saying this like it's nothing. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so what does it look like to become a mosaicist? Is that, Am I saying it correctly? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, so basically, the London School of Mosaic, uh, the place where I started studying mosaic was called South Bend Mosaics. It then moved on to become the London School of Mosaic. And it's a beautiful place. It's... um. It's a community. It really does things for the greater good. It's non-profit. Everyone is really positive and welcoming and open to everything. That's what I believe. I mean, quite frankly, we're still stuck with, you know, looking at differences in, in, in color, age, sex, whatever else. and Income, class. Plant, you know, and then the yeah. rest. And then yeah, we're so behind. I mean, I'm so, you know, beyond that. Um, and they are. They are so, I mean, it's such a nurturing environment for everyone and that's where they started doing the first diploma in this country ah interesting they also start you i also studied history of mosaics with um uh with wooten from um from king's college amazing, amazing. Ah, my alma mater i studied at king's ah. as well yep uh -huh. i studied philosophy at king's ah. but, yeah but I, yeah. I just want to also pause, press pause on this one because yeah. this is a great example of, I think, what smart minds do. Like we find a discipline, but then, of course, it's in itself, it tends to be not enough for our brain. Like, oh, let's study the history or let's become an expert in materials <laughs> or, right? <laughs> and it sounds like you did You never all know enough. Things. You always feel like, oh my God, where else can I learn? You know? Yes. <laughs> yeah. But this is also, I think, how we can bring innovation where other people can't because we are so interdisciplinary. We bring yeah. so many things. Maybe yeah. even something you learned in law. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Quite frankly, I, I think I forgot all of that. I <laughs> you erased it. Went. <laughs> okay, so you, you got a diploma in, you became a mosaicist. I'm going to say it again. New word, yeah. fun. Yeah. Then what? Yeah, yeah, Were yeah, you yeah. already thinking like, I am, this is going to be my new kind of career job or was it, still, were you just pursuing your interest? I just proceeded because I loved it. And yeah. Passion for asking me to do some stuff for them, and also I just thought, why not? I am. I, I kept on liking it, and I still like it. And I keep... okay. So another thing, people were asking you to do something for them. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. because that's also really a good. This is how I became a photographer when I became <laughs> a photographer, right? Like other people saying, "Oh, but this is amazing. You should like make more." Yeah. Was that kind of how it went? Because that can be yes. a great sign as well. Yes, really. Yes. Until now, when I started using rubbish. Um, the best thing is that people would come to me and say, oh, what did you used to do this? And they couldn't realize that, I don't know, it was an Actimal bottle or where it came from, which is great. And that's what I do differently. You know, many artists use rubbish, 
but they use it as it is. I reworked them in Tessera. So to me, that's the prime material. You know, it's not okay. So because not everybody may know what Tessera are. Tessera are tiles, just tiles, you yes. know, little bits. The basically. building blocks, basically, of the mosaic. Range. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Into the mentors, et cetera. Yeah. And, um, and, and at first, I I just kept on doing whatever I was doing using rubbish. And I, there was like a, for some reason, I think that people wanted just to, me to stop at rubbish. I, you know, I would be doing a piece on, I don't know, immortality, mm-hmm. you know, based on Borges. I love his, mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. yes, right. How famous like, South American author. Yeah. And yep. many others. But anyway, and, um, but they would just focus on the one rubbish thing. And I just thought, you know what? Sod it. I'm just going to focus on this. And what I will do is I'll make rubbish beautiful. And that will be my aim. Because to me, art is not necessarily beautiful. It's a message. It's something that you communicate. A good piece of art is something that communicates something to you then then. Like a whole concept is visually represented in one piece, you know, or a series. Or, um, and so I, that's what I did. I just started making waste beautiful waste you know which is the one thing you don't even look at when it's disposable and it's you know you just throw it away and want to get rid of it as soon as possible and then now it becomes you know something you want to put on your wall and then what I did I just thought you know how can I just bring um the word spread the word of pollution and what we can do and you know then waste and how much of it we produce and how you know we should start rethinking and reusing and repurposing and reducing all this waste um, in the most effective way. And, you know, you can talk to individuals, but you one life, 10 lives won't be enough. Yes, yes. Government Agreed. will be best because, of course, they have this umbrella effect over everyone, but they're so slow and they don't have much money and they don't have much time. And, you know, and sometimes a conflict of interest. Yep. <laughs> exactly. And so I just thought, well, what about corporations? They have the money. They have the, you know, the capability of reaching, you know, thousands if yeah. not more, of, 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 peop- of people. And uh, and also they have, you know, the quick. And so I did. And so I started basically selling companies their own rubbish. I, okay. This is okay. <laughs> How to sell people their own rubbish and get away with it ethically so good <laughs> now i'll say something more about this though, because sure I'm, but this I'm is your so basically your activism started feeding into your work yeah in, in a very explicit way i'm sure it's always been there right i don't think you can sort of separate the activism from the artist yeah. but now it became a very explicit yes yeah, so i'm an yeah. eco-activist or rubbish artist or whatever yeah. you want to how I call myself. So basically what I do is great because I started going into these, com- I mean, I used to work in the city, so I knew the language. I right, knew exactly. You know, you know the culture. Exactly. But um, I got in with, through that, you know, greenwashing tick they have to do. Basically. Yes. But I found people who really cared. And that was so good. What was okay. So- and I'm going to pause again because yeah. that is good to reiterate. Like, it's not like all corporations are completely evil for the people who believe that, right? <laughs> There's still not- amazing humans working working there. Yes. And that's where you, you, you realize that it is the whole system that has to be changed because people yes. are ready and they're willing. And the way people react, because, you know, it's not just take the rubbish and put it up on their wall. It's the people have to collect it. Oh, it's- interesting. And- Yes, and also you know it's they not just they they just go at the end of the day they t- take all the rubbish bins and send it oh, to you. Oh no, no, it's like you have a process. Everyone participate, yes, and 
And that makes them stop and look at what they have in their hands and understand that Great it has awareness. value, you know, and it can have another value and another life and it can become something beautiful. And uh, and then uh, they will, you know, they also have fun, be- I think. I think they had a lot of fun. They had a great participation because also I would uh, ask them, you know, do you actually, if you have anything else that you think would look good or something that's interesting or an odd thing here and there that you find, you know, bring it to me and then we'll see if we can put it up on it. Um, And yeah, it's, it's, it's going well and they're really appreciated. They're also like a, um, an icebreaker with the clients most of the time. They start talking about it. Okay. First, take me to the through the process. How do you organize? You go to a corporation, you say, "Hey, I have this amazing idea for you. You give me Actually, money. I take your rubbish." <laughs> <laughs> they, they come to me. That's oh my the god! Thing, amazing word of mouth. Uh, now, in fact is it started taking off exactly when when lockdown happened. Uh huh. <laughs> I wasn't good, so I lost a few commissions obviously in these two years, but I started gaining others. Um, and at the moment, I don't have any agency to represent or any PR. They company. just find you. Yes, I might Amazing. actually have to refer to some. And if I go, I found a couple of eco-friendly ones or, you know, sustainable yeah. ones that I would use. Um, because it takes up so much time anyway, all the marketing. And because I still do, you yeah. know, of course, I have to yeah. keep up with Instagram and little things that to me, I mean, if I could, you know, not do that. Yeah, I think many of us are like. Do exactly. I have to? That's the only way, you know, to show what I do. So right? I- the world does need to know about you. Yes. Okay. But then what, because I'm so curious about you start talking to a company and they give you a commission to create a work of art out of their rubbish. How, how does it then work? Do you say, okay, do you, is there like a memo to everyone? I mean, how? Okay. So basically I have a look at the office and yeah. where they are thinking of putting the artwork. We decide on a size, we decide on, uh, I have a look, then I go around and have a look at all the rubbish, the waste, both from the office and the canteen or the bar. Right, you know, right. Yeah. The area. Um, even shredded paper actually can be amazing. So last, yes. you know, how, what they do with their documents, because some of them are confidential and you cannot use them. But if they're shredded, that's fine. So, and if they shred them in house or they send them off, you know, to another company. Yep. So that's, there's lots of things that I would know now, by now what to look at and ask. And uh, then we select the things that we'll keep aside. It'd be a tea bag. I mean, not the actual tea bag, the paper the wrapper yes. wrapper or it could be cans or it could be taps or it could be you know some plastic it could be paper whatever it is um and then i i don't know it depends on how big they are i give them enough time to collect and then i take them home and i work on them and bring them back everything is eco-friendly from beginning to end i try to be carbon neutral so that i go by um public transport if i can if i cannot i go by electric car my own if I can. Otherwise, there's also through get uh, the app, you can get some electric cabs. Right, right. So there is a way around there, um, depending on how big they are. And, and and that's it, really. And, for example, I did a project for a New York office, and uh, I couldn't sleep that night because I didn't. I thought that is not eco-friendly. That is not carbon neutral. How do I do that? There was no way around. Like, do I just row a ship and bring it over? Should I just say no? And then even speaking to my husband, he just said, look, at the end of the day, it is your job. You're still going to reach lots and lots of people because it was for the lobby 
main lobby of this major financial services firm. So he just said, look, you know, the plane is still going to fly. It's not that big or heavy. Um, I mean, I could lift it myself. Um, so why not? And so I did. And so now. And I think this is also great to address. Like, I think so many people get too wrapped up in the whole, in like being eco-friendly. Like they are like, oh, now if I do fly, I am like the devil. Yeah. I think we can <laughs> be a little bit more flexible, right? I I agree. And it's all in like, do I really need to fly? Yes. That's the point. And yes. then, you know. And then make a choice. Like, d does this serve a bigger purpose, exactly. et cetera, et cetera. Or, you know, I haven't done it for, you know, six months. Well, maybe I'm allowed one now, you know, whatever it is. I'm, so yeah. it's just a matter of reducing and being, I think, uh, just aware of what yeah. you're doing and seeing where you can cut, you know, you can reduce by so much, just reduce. We cannot bring it to zero. It's impossible. Uh, we should be dead <laughs> to do that. Yeah, we should become plants. To do yeah, that. <laughs> exactly. Oh, <laughs> I'd love to be in the, my next life. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's what so we what, do. What keeps it exciting for you right now? Uh, we're using different material all the time. I love it when people give me a challenge. I always try to, you know, what kind of challenge? Oh, yeah. What is a challenge for you? A challenge is using new materials or anything, anything that... Do they sometimes ask for specific shapes or, or do they shapes leave as well. Anything that I I don't know whether it will be wor working or not. Like, for Ahead example, time. Yeah. it doesn't take to all the materials. You know, what if I say, okay, I'm going to use these and then there I am and they will fall off. Work, yeah. <laughs> well, I love that challenge anyway. <laughs> so good. Um, Try new materials, try new shapes, trying everything new, really. Um, accepting new ideas, spreading the word, learning more and more, you know. It's, uh, yeah. It just I mean, does not get boring. No, exactly. No. For example, now, I mean, I, as you see at the back, I do lots of things with screw caps. I love Okay, them. so I'm just going to, for the listeners who are not watching YouTube, there's this these amazing color explosions <laughs> behind Francesca. So I can't even see from where I'm sitting that these are screw caps. That's insane. Yeah. What? <laughs> they wow. are beautiful. And you can also use, you know, beer caps, crown caps. These are just different. Um, but yeah. Nice shiny. So, these obviously okay first of all i try to use things that cannot be recycled or reused but as you know everything can be recycled only up to two three times paper plastic and after yeah. that they cannot be anymore and also recycling doesn't really work because most of what is recyclable is not recycled because it's either uh contaminated by something yes. else or it's really hard or it's not it's i mean or it's really expensive from like a fuel perspective right exactly yeah. exactly so for example in london every council recycles different things yeah it's the same in holland i think we're i'm in rotterdam and we we do not have like the separate, I think it's just paper and glass and other waste. And in Amsterdam, you have your organic material separately. Yeah. It really depends on the local council. Absolutely. And yeah, organic waste, actually, that's a good thing. Because, for example, in Kensington, they didn't. And here they do. Uh, but anyway, or you had to pay and pay a, a, quite yeah. a, a significant amount. But I have my worms who actually eat it all. But anyway. So, um, <laughs> you have your worms. Okay, good. Yeah, 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 you have your compost tape. Yes, of course. Yeah, yes. I've got my so work. Good. They all have a name. Not that I can tell them apart. <laughs> anyway, um, so metal is the only one, apparently, the only uh, material that is infinitely recyclable. But but the metal caps, most councils do not take them because they're too small and mm. they just don't work. It's not worth so, it. 
Exactly. So I actually feel so good that I can use these <laughs> now, you know, at least here, uh, without feeling like I'm taking, you know, metal away from new uses. Yeah. Um, from being reused. And uh, yeah. Well, yeah. So basically, so I do this, I do this a lot. So I'm quite, you know, versed in this. But uh, for example, I now I started doing waves. Um, and I just accepted a commission for a school, actually, 10 meters of away. Neural, wow. Yes, which is great. But you do have to, you have to understand, in mosaic, um, mosaic is the arrangement of tiles following a certain andamento. Andamento are those lines. So you have to know when to open up lines. If you, know, if you go wider in the drawing, you will open up new lines or will, you will use bigger tiles. Right. But right. you have to taper off at some stage to make it fit again. Exactly. Yeah. So you, yeah. you cut them, you know, to needs. Yeah. But in my case, all you these are the same. No, they all have the same shape. And I love it. This is a mathematical puzzle. Do you see? It's like exactly. Styling. So much fun. Imagine doing a wave, you know, that narrows and widens and only using those. I mean, I love that. I love that. It's uh basically you're doing so many things, right? You're doing yeah. eco activism, you're doing tiling with math. <laughs> yeah. You're doing math color stuff. color yeah. theory, right? How does color work? Representation, yeah, if you want to do representation. Absolutely. And with mosaic, you have to make do with the colors you have. So you need to know color theory very well. Yeah. Um, and it's fun to study it and learn it anyway, you know. Isn't it the best? Like color theory, that's we could do a whole podcast on that. I study color actually for several years. I was amazed, first of all, how we know nothing about color, how our eyes work. Like I had no idea. <laughs> right? Different from what we see there. <laughs> exactly. Right. But also that we aren't really taught the signs of color. Yeah. No. It's Which fascinating. Is a real pity, actually. Yes. I, they also work as a mood enhancer. For exactly. They have, I think they're quite magic. Exactly, hundred um, percent. I I always say I eat color. Like I have the type of brain that can literally feed. I also have a little like kind of anesthesia or synesthesia. Sorry, with um days of the week I see them in colors, right, and stuff like that. Yes, yes, but my I, daughter does too, and the numbers too. Yes, so I literally eat. To me, like looking at color is like I am being fed. <laughs> I am being yeah. fed. But also, if I, for example, go to a hospital and there are kind of bad stressy colors it really affects my mood and there's so much research has been done into this over the years i still can't believe it's not being used more yeah but also they have vibrations so i understand i completely agree with you they really influence us so much um 100 the vibrations they have i think when you say you know i've got a good vibe or a bad vibe from a place i think that colors like many other factors but color space all the things right but Definitely yeah. and lighting, but definitely also color. So I can see that that is another thing that makes it super fascinating and keeps it interesting all the time. Yeah. But another thing I want to talk about is your attempt to um a, a, the payment in kind. Oh yes, initiative. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> because I talk to a lot of smart people about money, economy. Right, we want to change our world. Some some people say money is evil. Um, how do we navigate that if we want to have impact on the world? But we also need to make money sometimes to exist. Yes. Some of us don't, but some of us do. Yes. Many are like experimenting with like, um, you know, if you're if you don't have a lot of money, you don't pay me a lot of money. And if you do, you do. What what have you experimented with and how did I that think, go? Yes. Okay. So basically I think that money is should just be a means of exchange mm. and they are bad when they are tied to greed. 
and yeah. you just accumulate them for the sake of it or because you want more and more and more or and control unless you have exactly yeah. exactly and which would bring me to something else which i'm not going to say but uh or maybe we'll talk about later but how come we are coming to self-destruction uh you know and how come people in power are bringing us there and it's, it is because they and don't think they cannot be that clever because they focus either on control or, you know, anyway, their own individual needs and greed. Yes. Otherwise, it'd be, you know, we wouldn't they have be a here. very different agenda for the yes, world. Yes, and people who are smart don't actually look for, you know, to be at the top of the world and control yeah. because they know that, that, that that's not what interests them. Yeah. So what I thought is, um, yes, obviously, you know, if we could exchange things directly without the need for money, it'd be great. Obviously, it will put many more people in the position of being able to afford more things. Do you know there was an experiment with this in, in Holland? I'm not sure whether it still exists, but for a long time there was like a, this sort of economy, this shadow economy in Amsterdam, where they had their own kind of currency, which was oh, non-tangible, yes. right? And you yes. could just... But you know, there is a, a place in England as well that has it, like a, one or two actually um, villages or small towns. Right, right, right. Yep. Yes. Um, yes. But, but, you know, and also that pro- promotes the local economy. Exactly. And zero, so you local. know. Exactly. No, no, it's great. Um, So anyway, so sorry, I'm no borders, but you know, if you can stay local, (laughs) what you eat or, you know, it's it's better, of course, various reasons. Anyway, so I started this experiment for which I would sell my, I would take money off my artwork up to the complete, the amount of the the piece. um, If you did some kind things, kind to the earth, kind to the others, such as Whatever, you know, things that could be eco-friendly. Replace uh, your plastic toothpaste with pastels. Uh, do not use uh, washing. The t- well, actually, I don't even think they were still there because this is back in many years ago. And I just looked at the page recently. I just thought, oh, my God, I was so behind. <laughs> I need to update this. But, uh, you know, for example, back then it probably was replace the plastic bags with, you know, uh, one for life, uh, like a fabric one. Um don't use plastic straws or, or glasses. So basically rewarding people for eco-friendly behavior. Exactly. And yeah. I would give different points to each things. And also that was a way to make other people do my marketing instead of saying, please tag me. So I just thought, so I can stay off Instagram for a while. Lever. <laughs> so well. I mean, some people did, they weren't tagging, but um, some Obviously, at the end of the day, you know, I would just round whatever they did up and just say, okay, like, here we go. Right, exactly. Expect <laughs> you're trying. You it's know? all exact, exact science. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, payment in kindness. Um, I still do it. I mean, if people offer me that, I would take it, you know. Um, and also another thing I do is... So, I uh, give- no, hang on. Listen, this is amazing. So if I say, okay, I'm going to give up on plastic bags, will you give me an artwork? I will- How does it work? Uh, that's the point. It's really hard to quantify. Yeah. I will give you a few points, and each yeah. point, you know, equals a certain amount. Uh, and I save up for yeah. an artwork. Exactly. exactly. Amazing. And how many people have actually like done this? Two. <laughs> yeah, because it's no, but I, that's the reason I'm asking because it is super hard. But two people managed to save up enough points. Yeah, 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 that's yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah uh, obviously, there were people I knew, so I could keep a track on them. Yeah, <laughs> because that's the other thing: do we trust people, right, to actually keep their word? <laughs> yeah, exactly. and um, and tell me, because then also an exhibition was censored. Yes, was that a similar was, initiative, or was it something else? 
So that was where the initiative was launched, but it wasn't for the initiative. Uh, it was because, and I understand that, because it was in the lobby of a residential estate in mm-hmm. Kensington. Um, and for the people who don't know London that well, Kensington is very fancy. Yes. And there are a <laughs> lot of, you know, for example, people coming from Arab countries. So yes. they do have um, different uh, taboos as well as for example and it was censored because there were some pieces which regarded immortality or um, reincarnation or you know the, the flowing of life which weren't uh, were probably found offensive uh, by them and I agree because it, I agreed with taking them down I didn't say anything it's a you know a private residential area it's not were it's an art gallery, I would have laughed in the face. Yeah, and, that would have been ridiculous. You know, this is yeah. what you should expect. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad it actually hit you somehow, you know. Um, but there, of course, I just, you know. Yeah, no, and I, listen, I, 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 have, I think I'm all of them. <laughs> I've had a similar experience where someone pulled, they put like this Christian painting, I think it was, or statue in the entrance hall of my office building. And I was like, can you please take that away? Right. This is like a public we're shared. This is a shared space. You take your private Christianity devotion, whatever it is. I'm yeah. cool with that, but take it to your own floor, please. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I agree. I agree. I agree with you. Like I respect yeah. all religions, all faiths, but you've got to respect everyone else. So yes. Interesting. But it's interesting that so it wasn't the rubbish per se, but it was what you had depicted. So, oh, and that the was... funny thing is, oh, the funny thing is, right before the launch, the the PV. The private viewing I went around to put some because a friend of mine said well wouldn't it be funny if you actually put the original item under each artwork so that they can see where they're coming from I thought it would be actually very cool especially because it looks like you know the rubbish left on the floor so I went went home to get changed came back and it wasn't there anymore because the cleaner came around That really makes my point, really, doesn't it? (laughs) Yes. And this is a very interesting question, right? Like, so whether something is perceived as valuable is so dependent on context. So you put it on the wall in a beautiful constellation and and it's underneath the artwork on the floor. It's like the cleaner sweeps it away, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, no, it's funny to recount. I mean, I was really upset when I saw that. Of course, <laughs> no, don't worry, she she came back. Of course, God knows where they were. The do you have an artist studio or do you work from home? What does that look like? So I worked from home at first. Then I got a studio at the London School of Mosaics. Then I moved and now I have my own garden studio. Ah, you built your own. As we speak. Yeah, because there are little things. But yeah. So this is my dream comes true. I don't need anything from life, but even with the garden studio, and now I have it. I feel like, you know. You are <laughs> I'm, a millionaire. I'm there, right? yes. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing else. <laughs> yeah. I think having our own space to create, if we're creators, is, that makes you, does make you feel like a millionaire. It's oh God, so, it does. Yeah, yeah, and absolutely. And I'm there and I'm free, you know. it's Especially because working from home, especially having with children, it's actually very handy, right? Because yes. you don't waste any time commuting and you're always there. But the bad side of it is that the downside is that you keep doing your work. Like, you, you know, I work a little, the laundry, and I'll go and do it. And you, you're always enslaved by your other hat, you know? Yes. That's, that's the reason I have a studio outside the home, right? And I Absolutely. bike here. I, yeah. I forget about it. The laundry, whatever. 
you know, do it tonight if need to be, or you can do it actually. Why not? You know, <laughs> how about you do it? It's not that hard. Um, so yeah, yeah, it really. So now you have this physical separation. That is probably going to help with that. And the so, garden in between where I'm planting everything and anything, we're not mowing. We've got the grass up to over our knees. Beautiful. <laughs> the cats love it, unfortunately for the birds. Um, the children love it too because we kept, we keep seeing all these spontaneous flowers. Yeah. Because I, I'm going to seed wildflowers, but I was waiting for a little bit until, you know, the first. And uh, so many are coming up. It's beautiful. Within a week, you see, you know, new ones coming up. It's no really good. It's an explosion of color, which is also, again, I'm sure very inspiring. Exactly. So it's beautiful to walk, you know. <laughs> Mind you, we we have our little trail now, me and Gigi, the dog. We have two different ones, quite frankly. So you can we follow that, you know. Little path. <laughs> so good. Do you have any rituals when you work? Uh, that's interesting. Uh, if I do, quite frankly, I'm very elastic. I think that's part of uh, what we are. Mm. Really elastic. I can make do with anything. I'm the queen of making do, actually, even with yeah, I think that is your brand, right? Yeah. Yeah. But, but, but uh, sometimes for people to get into a certain state, they use, a, like, oh, I always have my coffee or whatever. Oh, no, that, that for sure. Uh, yes. Yes. Coffee in the morning, that's for sure. I need, Now I need to have done my yoga before. Not a ritual. Uh, yeah, that actually has become a morning ritual. Both kind of centering. Yes, and I feel so much better after that. Mm. I feel like I've already been productive somehow and I'm ready to start, you know. But otherwise, sometimes I tend to procrastinate. So I have to have one or two coffees. If I am at the London School of Mosaic or somewhere else, I need to chit-chat in between coffees. Good people, yeah. I have a last one to bring it to my table and then I start. And since I'm very fast at what I do, I actually accomplish the same, I think, as a normal person. But I talk for two hours, <laughs> work for two, you know. <laughs> I was yeah. just talking about that with someone else. Like, our, I think the way productivity looks on us is completely different, right? Like, it will look like we're not doing anything, but still a lot is happening up here, I think. That's the point. And that's why I need to be on my own. And that's also why I I think it's really good to be in contact with other fellow artists, especially if they're from different um, practices. Mm -hmm. and yep. Because medium, you know, because then you exchange and you learn and you just, you don't even understand how much, you know, how many ideas you can gather. But at the same time, I need my space. I need to be on my own because actually most of the time I'll just sit there and think, you know, and yes. I, I need the time to think. I need it because that's where everything comes. That's what creation is. It's not the assembly, the assembly, the assembly of stuff. It's what exactly. you have in your head. Yeah. And before is, if I don't do that, oh, what if I did that? I wonder, you know. And, and you need space, but you also need to be alone. You know, it's, you need to be in that kind of container. I think that's massively important. And if if you look at that through the lens of old-fashioned productivity, people would be like, but that woman is not doing anything. She's just staring out the window. What the hell, right? <laughs> Maybe but Actually, it's the most important and it's the most difficult and precious to have. Especially so, okay, so, but what I'm curious about, because a lot of people, especially when they start out, they don't trust this part. Whether it's making art or building a business, which I think can also be an art, right? They're like, uh -huh. they don't trust this sitting, thinking, letting things come also from their subconscious, the, this inner knowing. Have you always trusted that or is that a skill you have deepened? Okay, over? so I, when I was younger, as I said, okay, my parents knew 
how I was because they a friend of a friend who was a psychologist uh, asked uh, me if I could just run some tests you know the original IQ test which I'd never done before and I hadn't done up until a few years ago mm. and after curiosity I tried the main so on um but uh and but they so they knew but they never told me the results and because they uh-huh. didn't want to go to my head they wanted me to be you know normal but at the same time i wish they did because that would have saved me so much self doubt yeah and time wasted thinking oh but if they do it this way surely they know what they're doing yeah you know ah i would have had so much more self confidence and i would have started earlier and i would have been an artist most likely you know ever since so when did you find out? At 40. Uh, oh, when really? <laughs> yeah. How? What happened? Yeah. And that's when I started, uh, you know, with the mosaics. But that's when you realized, did you take an, did you find out about the results? Oh, no, then? No, about, no, 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 no. About oh, that. Okay. I mean, I knew before. Sorry. No, I thought when I found out what I really. No, no, no. When did you do? find out? <laughs> what did you do? No, uh, no, no. I think I always knew underneath. And then when you, it's when you start having your own self-confidence, probably university. Mm. That you were like, hang on. Yeah. Like, okay. I, I, I don't <laughs> think I'm normal. Yeah. There's, yeah. Too many things have happened for me not to be always the one who's wrong. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I love that though, because for me, that took, I think, even longer, even though I did have the label at a very young age. I remember like meeting my husband and having lots of deep conversations. And he used to say the same thing to me like a lot of times. He always used to say, listen, it's not you who's crazy. It's the other people who are crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's so good to have someone who, who can tell you that. I know, right? That was <laughs> such a blessing to have that because up until then, I was always like, there's something wrong with me and I need to change. And he would be like, no, they're just mad. <laughs> like, which, I mean, of course, it's not, he didn't mean it that way. But like, as a yeah, reframe, yeah. you just get to be you. You don't need to become like them. Yeah. No. And also, it's, for example, my husband is really clever too. Of course, I could never be with someone who doesn't get me right How, Okay, so, okay. Same. How did you find him? Because like the most requested topic for the podcast uh, where to find is <laughs> relationships. <laughs> okay, is it so, even possible to like yeah. have a relationship as a smart, smart woman specifically? Well, with him, yes, because it's the opposite of me. Like I'm really quick, but I'm not that deep. Sometimes I get bored if I get to do yeah. it, yeah. unless it's something that, you know, it's what I'm studying at the moment. Yes. Whilst he is slower, but he's much, so very deep, you know, much deeper. He goes to, yeah, very sorrow. So it's actually, we're actually a great team together. Obviously we get on each other's nerves. Yes. But, <laughs> but no, and he is amazing and he understands me. He gets me. He gets me. Yeah. All the time. Um. As you know, that's what's important. Like, you might not agree with me, but you understand me. I am I am also oh. in a very complimentary relationship. <laughs> <laughs> See? Because otherwise I think you tear each other apart, right? Totally. I mean, just imagining being married to me is a complete nightmare. <laughs> I'm <laughs> tired <you>. already. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We need saints. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And just having that sort of balance. And then, of course, there's going to be, you know, trouble, a little bit of conflict, et cetera, et cetera. But if you are but able to navigate that, that. Yeah. But we need the conflict too, yes. I think. True. So that I can get on with the rest of the world, you know, like yeah. give it to me now. Yes. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> Listen, one of the things I had to do, like, and I'm still working on it, like my husband doesn't like to argue. I love, <laughs> I love to argue. 
I'm like, come on, fight with me. <laughs> Just for the sake of it, please. So I can become red again after that. <laughs> Beautiful. Beautiful. But how did you, if you want to talk about that, how did you meet each other? How did you find them? It's funny because we met on the plane. Oh, I oh. love this. This is a great story. I always hear these things. I'm like, that can't be true. Okay. <laughs> So basically, I was going home just for the weekend for my best friend's 30th birthday. And I had just decided a few months before that the per- the person for me didn't exist. So oh, I was yeah. perfectly happy on my own, you know. Yep. Happy okay. single. Exactly. Don't and need anybody. I was, I was open. I wasn't looking. You know, I was yep. really relaxed. And I was already dressed for the occasion because, again, I was going home, I think, just 48 hours, 24 hours. I mean, you know, just for the party that night. And... Um, and before going, I was following Udinese. Udinese was my favorite football team, but you wouldn't really get news, many news uh, here, obviously, as much as you would get where I was yeah. coming from. So I, w- I had another friend who was coming to the party who would relay the information to me. And that Saturday or Sunday, whatever, he didn't send me the, oh, the update. one, the update. And, um, Oh yeah, and and the previous Saturday, Sunday, yes, sorry, and uh, and so I asked him, so what, what's going on with the Udinese? How did it do? It's like, well, listen, Fran, if you really cared for it, you should find out yourself, because I know you can. Like, oh, okay. okay, I better find out, you know, before next next time. So here I am going to the airport, not knowing anything about it. Oh shoot, and looking for the Gazzetta dello Sport mm-hmm. around, which is the sport paper, which is you know that yep. pink that you can tell a mile away. It is it or not. And I find one. So I go up to the Gazzetta dello Sport. This guy, excuse me, really sorry to disturb you, but is there any chance I you get, you know, you have the results there? So I know what Dineza did. And and it was him. And say, Well, look, I don't think there'll be much in here, but you're more than welcome to look. And so I had a look. After that, nothing happened. I when I was working on traveling on my own, I would just sit down, you know, and wait to be the last one to board or whatever. I didn't care which seat I would get. And he did the same. So we boarded <laughs> me second last and him last. And the plane was full. So I ended up by going to the end and there he is coming. And I'm like, well, you know, sit here. Why not yeah. sit here? So we started chit chatting. And I liked him as a person right away. And we had a very similar background, you know, um, both in studies, although he's a mathematician. Just... I am also married to a mathematician. They're the best. <laughs> I don't have patience for this. It's either the world or maths. <laughs> I made a choice, <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, very enjoyable. But I can imagine. I mean, if you do maths, you're like, that's your world. That's it. You're a continual obsession, but <laughs> you can't do anything else. And anyway, so we talked. He lived abroad in different places as well. And, uh, you know, he was... And uh, and and so we met back in London for a drink. You exchanged numbers. Exchange, yeah. Sorry. Yes. yes. <laughs> this yeah. is important, yeah. people. You need to exchange them. <laughs> and I told him, of course, because that's how it went. <laughs> I even asked him to get married after we were living together. You know, like, well, you proposed. Then, yes. It's not like, oh look, we have so much in common. I also proposed. <laughs> you really? Yes. But how did you do it? Because in my case, I'm not formal at all. I'm not. We got married in jeans, as to say, you know, with everyone in jeans in the big main square. But because what happened? This is funny. We were already living together. 
I didn't care about marriage, but we had the building manager who's uh, younger than I was, I think, and really traditional. And so he would always say, you and your husband, but your husband, I kept telling him, look, he's not my husband. He's actually my partner, you know. And every single time he would say, oh, so why is he not making an honest woman out of you? And I would laugh at first. Then I realized oh. he was serious. <laughs> you know, whatever. But then it must have worked at the back of my mind because one day I just went up to the Claudio, my husband, and said, well, look, so why are you not making an honest woman out of your own? <laughs> <laughs> What's the difference? You might as well. You know, we bought the house together, which is more of a commitment nowadays. Than yes, the marriage. <laughs> you can never, never split <laughs> up again because of a mortgage. What happened to you then? Was that- oh, I just asked. I had a health scare and I really started rethinking. And I told my husband to never ask me to marry him <laughs> because I thought marriage was so ridiculous. Um, <laughs> and then I had a, a health scare, which turned out to be luckily um, not as scary as I thought. And then I started reevaluating. And a really dear friend of mine actually told me, listen, Elsa, I know you think it's all ridiculous, but you do this for the people who love you. So they can celebrate you in your love. Oh, yeah. And I thought, yeah, I want that. I want to share that. And yeah, then I knew I had to propose because I told, I forbidden him <laughs> to like. <laughs> I would have never asked that. <laughs> Don't even think about it, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. So funny. So, okay. So, so listen, for the people listening, now you know the formula to find love is to, first of all, get the Gazette de Sport. <laughs> <laughs> and wait, patiently wait. <laughs> patiently wait. Or look. And, and make, you know, or just, you know, Look for mathematicians. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I would say look for the opposite. Yeah. Someone who, I mean, he's my best friend. Yeah. I, to be on my own or to be with him, to me, is the same thing. That you know? is amazing. That is beautiful. Yeah, to have that ease yeah. and, and just be able to completely be yourself Yeah. with another human being. That is very beautiful and very precious. I bet it's the same for you, no? Yes. 100%. Yeah, and also be happy when, like, not be threatened by somebody else's growth, right? Like, exactly. my husband went to art school for a while. He he studied abroad for a while. And we were we are both happy for each other when we try something new. I travel on my own. He's, like, not like, how dare you? Yeah, yeah no, no. Freedom. I mean, if you love somebody, you set them free, honestly. Exactly. And it's a choice 100%. to be with each other. Yes. You want them to be happy and grow and find their own space. I mean, you would be frustrated if they didn't. Why shouldn't you let them? I mean, oh, exactly. Exactly. Um, but it's not like that in all relationships, I'm told. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. being, I think, but also being so comfortable in yourself. So find someone who's that mature and be that mature person yourself as well, right? That you are able to let other people yeah, but I think it's the only thing I'm maturing, quite frankly, because <laughs> at, at least there's one thing. <laughs> I feel like I'm like, oh, but it's also interesting, as you said, because sometimes I'm the mother, he's the child. Some other times, you know, I'm the child, he's the father. And most exactly. of the time we're actually equals, but, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think what you're, I'm, I'm guessing, but correct me if I'm wrong, what you're calling immaturity to me is probably childlike wonder. Um, a sense of experimentation and just being very free and curious in the world. Yes, that's a good side. The bad side is that I'm also very spontaneous Yeah, and I don't lie. And to me, lying to my children or to my husband is something I just don't, I cannot do. It's You're a, not capable of it. It's an intellectual, intellectually wrong, like dishonest. Do you say this as if it's a problem? 
Well, it is a problem sometimes because I tell them off right away. I, right. You know, I don't hold my tongue sometimes when I should. I mean, yeah, well, not yeah. all the it's time. Like it's, you know. it's, I also cannot lie, but also my face cannot lie. If someone asks me, do you like this dress or something? <laughs> I, mean, I cannot lie. You start doing, you're like, do you want a diplomatic answer or do you want the truth? Oh, yeah, and then they already know. Exactly. I, it's so interesting, right? That some people, like, I think many of us very smart people are, we, we're just not really good at lying. Our brains just like, no. I don't know. There's like this, this. Yeah. I think it's also part of the same sense of right, like of, you know, the sense of what's right and what's wrong. Yeah injustice is something yes. I find it really really hard to digest and yes. understand and that's why I find it very hard to read the paper or yes. get the news I really suffer like I don't know I think I don't know what it is like uh, I think you should be empathic towards things and and not everybody is it's like being a child you know not under not taking them with the right cynicism yeah. That maybe adults develop. But then at the same time, I think developing that is what stops you from changing, understanding where you're going wrong and what needs to be done and changed. And then, I mean, you know, it's like children when they you tell them something that happens and they go, but that is so wrong. Why? Why did you and they're like, well, because this is how the world goes, or because because the world is unfair. True, but that shouldn't be the answer. Yeah. You know? I, I think for me, the answer is not not something like, oh, this is how the world goes. What I what has been u- super useful for me is like there are some things I will just never understand, and that's okay, right? Because I hurt, keep hurting myself in trying to understand something which to me is completely incomprehensible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something you don't want to understand, actually. Exactly, right? I don't want this to be to make sense. Yeah, I don't want it, and my brain is trying to make it make sense. Yeah, no, no, it doesn't. It's like when people say, oh, but, you know, keeping abreast of information, everything that goes on in the world is essential. And then you're thinking, I don't agree. In the sense, yes, the big picture, of course. But what the prime minister says, you know, today is like, is there anything I can do to control it or to help it? I want to know. But it's out of my control. Yeah, if it's not useful to you, right? (laughs) Yes. But I think also for you... And focus on what I can exactly, exactly. Instead of getting very upset about all the things you that make you feel powerless, exactly. I think that is such a massive cause of stress for people. They focus on the area where they have no power, and they no longer see where they can have an impact and can make a difference, and just get completely paralyzed. And then think, oh, whatever. You know, it does. There's nothing I can do. We're all gonna die, and I'm now very depressed. <laughs> yeah, no, but seriously, mind you, you know, I alternate between these stages: yeah. complete optimism, you know, and do do do. And <laughs> but I think you're also converting that frustration with the state of the world, and you know, that energy you're channeling into your art. Yeah, it, I, of course, I need to, I need to have some uh, surrender, <laughs> you know, to yeah, and an outlet. Back of, into the and I think. Most people I speak with, and the same goes for me, like who are creators, right? Um, we are driven by frustration in a way. Right? Yeah. We are driven also by wonder. I think it's not just frustration, but also frustration like, but it's ridiculous that it's like this. Yeah. Come yeah. on, let's change it. Right. <laughs> that kind of energy. But instead of just sitting there and I hate this, this sucks. Right. Yeah. That is not 
I could never be in that energy or at least, well, okay, let's be honest. I can be in it for 15 minutes, but then I get bored. (laughs) (laughs) But I need to go do something. Yeah. 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 100%. Do you, um, let's, let's talk a little bit about if you want to, do you think that the way you raise your children is different because you are you have such a smart mind um uh, okay i don't know if that's because of that or because i am i don't really i don't care what other people think Mm, that is a superpower yes but not to say i don't care about other people no i just it wouldn't influence i mean i listen to them but I don't do something to please other people. I do something to because I think it's right. And if you tell me that you think it's not right, I'll listen to your reasons. If I agree with some of them, then I'll change. But because I believe that you are right, <laughs> you know, and thank exactly. you. Because you like my arguments Otherwise, and you learn and you're happy to change your mind if someone makes a good point. Yeah, exactly. Thank you for, you know, for the tip. Actually, I disagree. And I'll yeah. keep doing it. Oh, thank you. And I'll, you know, but so, so basically my children, as I say, I don't lie to them. They know exactly what I know, usually. Um, my husband says that sometimes I should lay things a little softer. Yeah. <laughs> a little I less. Take it. Yeah. They, and, for example, you know, we all became vegan after watching uh, Seaspiracy. Uh, mind you. Oh, and there and then we looked at each other in the eyes and thinking, okay, so we're vegan, right, from tomorrow. Yes, so... And I fact-checked as well what it was said. Apparently, it's even worse. Gigi, it's all right. Uh, it's even worse than what um, Tabrizzi says in the documentary. I would recommend anyone and everyone to see it, actually, but it does change your life forever. Anyway, same time. So, you know, it's their own choice. They know. They know. Uh, we also watched a few afterwards. They, it's What's hard for them, though, obviously, is that they are now in teenage years yeah. where especially my daughter wants to belong and yep. you know they are the only two plus another one three vegans at school <laughs> really wow yes uh some vegetarians but and so she goes around saying that she's vegetarian because it's cooler and it's more understandable it makes her less weird but i don't care she can say whatever but at the same time i tell her don't you want to actually change the world you know what a difference it makes if you just tell people what you are you know and why should you be you know, hide the fact that you don't want to harm people because you people animals because you think they have the same rights, you know, and the sentient beings, and because you know it's good for the planet. You know, why? Why should you be scared of your own kindness and strengths? Because ah, is. but she has a teenage brain that wants to belong to the group, right? It's all exactly. biology. It makes perfect sense. Exactly. So for a few years, yeah. I know she's gonna switch it off. You know, <laughs> disregard at least, and then it's gonna come back. Yeah. yeah. But also, for example, my mom has um wild chickens uh, running around the garden sleeping on the tree and when the and she has the woods at the back so sometimes the foxes come or other animals and they you know exterminate they're not vegetarians yeah no but anyway (laughs) they have little you know fox cubs to maintain it's fine but if they leave some behind we eat them yeah because they are happy chickens you know (laughs) we're not harming anyone and we're not wasting that very precious food for us also the the eggs they lay we eat because they are they're they're you know happy eggs happy hens if they're fecunded you know and they are they are broody they will let them do that of course um and also they have different taste anyway 
on to the next. Best, yeah. sure. So it's the same. We, you know, we are flexible, obviously. And well, exactly. Again, going back to right, like it, it. If we get into this kind of oh, I have to get everything right. I have to fit in this perfect it's box possible. with my activism, and you will so, be completely unhappy. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, reducing already is such a big thing. Exactly. Yeah. And just doing your part and being aware and yeah. making change. Yeah. What do you think, like looking at your art, what is next for you? Have you got any plans for the next couple of years? Oh my God, now? I've got so many. Okay. So there are a few projects going with, in Italy, actually, with some, the Maelstrom project, um, whereby they're marine biologists that go uh, into these cruises and into these projects where they measure pollution and they get data with respect to many things, basically. And uh, uh, they also run projects to reduce pollution, plastic pollution in the in the oceans, in the rivers. They are, you know, building some very interesting, actually, uh, devices uh-huh. to either uh, collect or, or even prevent, uh, you know, the plastic from going into it and uh, a part of the the various partners that actually run this project and uh, a part of what they do is also um sensibilizing people right. to the problem. and that's yeah. where art comes into it so we're developing a nice project with them actually 2024 i think is the mm-hmm. deadline um and that would be very interesting because I want to go and see what they do, you know. I'll yeah, use and to them. learn all about their thing and <laughs> your brain gets exactly. to be happy again. <laughs> so I'm, so, I'm so glad they proposed this, you know. Um, then, oh, I have actually, I want to start doing big works, which are How big is your work it. now? Give us like a ballpark. That's the point. Uh, so usually the artwork events might do, you know, the art for trash projects for the yep. offices. I sell them by 50 by 50 boards also 50 to give one price for them all. And it's all proportionate. But right. then I started doing bigger pieces as long as I can carry them mm-hmm. uh, or take them by electric car. Uh, yep. I'm fine with them. But that's why I'm working sections. So point is that with the mosaic, what you would do, you would work in sections and then you assemble them together. Usually. Yep. In reverse, so anyway, I don't want to go into details, but you know, with with what I use, it's much harder to work in sections, um, especially because I work direct. I cannot work indirect, so I have to work directly on the board. So it's the actual right. board that should be cut, unless I work on mesh and then I stick that to the board. But anyway, um, so I'm now working on big projects, and I need to find a way to section them. So that they can be carried and become, you know, eco-friendly as well uh, in the in the installation. Yes, um, part. Yeah, and you can do massive walls. Yeah, and that would be so much fun. I mean, I can do them directly on there or with the mesh and stick them to the wall, and that's fine. But that's they're permanent. I need to find some, you know, ways where they're not permanent. They can be moved easily from wall to wall, and that's really interesting. I've got my super fun problems to solve. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Because again, I think one of the reasons you're having so much fun with this is there are so many parameters, right, that are constantly changing. Right, the material parameters, the location. Uh, the type of rubbish, the yeah. size, like all the things. And then your brain having to solve for all that. Of course, it never gets boring. 
yeah, no, and it's, it's fun because every time I walk into the office, I'm like, yeah, okay, so yes, we can use this and this and this. Like, don't you have anything else? Like, you know, something that I haven't seen. Where's the rest of your rubbish? Show me. Exactly. Where else do you produce rubbish? Is there some, you know, project, like a department on the side, which runs something different? <laughs> and when you think about the history of Mosaic, um, how do you see yourself? in that like continuous line. Like I've, I have been very lucky actually uh, the, the end of last year, I did a tour of Ravenna, saw some amazing stuff. What, what do you think? Like, this is such an old, old art form, right? Yeah. And it's such a beautiful art form. It's so accessible. You do not need to learn how to mix paint, right? You don't need to, in that sense, of course you can buy the stones, but as you're showing, you can create mosaics with anything. Yes. Absolutely. Right. What do you, what do you yeah. see as the future of mosaics? So actually the future of mosaic, I think, I think actually we'll keep with the traditional side of it. Also, mm -hmm. because if you want to do flooring, for example, you know, that's what you would do. You would use stones or ceramic. Or you could just do resin, right? Yeah. But yes, yes. But resin is not really eco-friendly unless it's recycled. Oh, true. How do you do that? So yep. you could but no, because you're actually bringing up something very interesting. <laughs> I, I thought of <laughs> you've thought of this. And doing some pieces, you know, sometimes you find and then using the resin pieces because actually when it when it dries, it, it can have some you know nice colors and it's yes. not clear. So you can use that. But anyway, that's it to, to, to a different. But then you would have to level it, you know, for flooring is and they have to be level. No, anyway, so I I see the traditional side of it continuing but i also see what i do hopefully it will become more and more interesting yeah. you know more and more used because also i see that um so there is bam it's the british association of modern mosaic in this country and mm -hmm. they do you know a forum each year uh they do prompts so basically the, um you know some prompts they and they asked me to do a few and i did uh four or five cool. Um, and then they had workshops on them and they said that they were very popular during lockdown, especially you would do them online. So it was a very good idea that they had to do these prompts and workshops. Yeah. But they also asked me to go as a speaker for the forum they will have this October because it will be called Pushing the Boundaries. Love it. So I actually think regardless of what I do, but just using, reusing other stuff like whether it's crockery or other things, it's it's in the charts. I think it will be more and more because it's actually fun for a mosaicist. It really is. You know, you it's, can find some beautiful colors, beautiful designs or drawings, and you know, whether it's a rose that you want to add, you know, in the middle of the mosaic or just a colored piece or something that's slightly, you know, has a different shape. Yeah, it's the perfect means. I love how your brain has taken you from law. <laughs> yeah imagine <laughs> right to this amazing way of being in the world being an artist making money and making the world a better place and creating beautiful things right so good is there do you have like a dream location like i don't know i'm thinking saint paul's the dome or like is there oh. something where you're like oh i, oh, want I would love tape. to create a mosaic here i want to be at the tate and just create Tate modern permanent mosaic there yes Tate modern <laughs> are we talking the big hall or <laughs> oh the big hall would be amazing <laughs> any space they give me <laughs> but yeah. it has to be permanent <laughs> yeah that is a problem yeah I love that yeah I mean yeah they could guerrilla do some you know mosaics we, we do have uh, 
<laughs> I didn't so know fun. to do that. <laughs> so but, fun. Thank you so much for this. I think it's been super inspiring. Oh, and God. I can't wait to share your artworks in the link. So anybody who wants to see your work, see these explosions of color and be inspired, maybe you'll start creating yourself. Um, check the show notes for the link to Francesca's amazing work. <laughs> oh, thank, thank you so you. much. It was fun. Thank you. <laughs> I'll keep following. smart human probably listening to this podcast because you want to learn how to manage that smart mind of yours and the first step is actually getting your bearings doing a little brain audit and i have the perfect tool for that the mapping your unique brain workbook and you can actually download it for free at www.coachkramer.org/slash brain map. So that's coachkramer.org slash brain map. Go check it out and play with it and take your first step to managing your smart mind. Mm-hmm.